Okay. Okay, so where was I? That's a theme. Hold on to that, okay? That I, I am not my own, but what? I belong. That's a key word. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? Who is, and etc., uh, etc. Et That's going to be the theme, okay? Under that, probably last week, uh, you would have uh, dealt with how, uh, how do we understand that, right? And then out of that, with question number two, preps us, preps us at how we should understand this very, very comprehensive uh, theme. Okay. Uh, so question number two says, how many parts does the comfort consist? Okay. How do we understand that comfort thing? Okay. It consists of, uh, I'm sorry, okay, question number two. That's uh, how many things are necessary for you to know that you, you and I, in this comfort may live and die happily. That just means, how do we understand this comfort? Okay. How many things are necessary for you to know? Three things. Hold on to this. Misery, deliverance, and gratitude. Okay. And so, these questions that we have... That's the structure of it. There's two, three divisions on the questions. Misery, okay, which means sin. Uh, deliverance, of course, which means redemption. And number three is gratitude. Gratitude is how do we live our life? Okay? So you now, what I want you to get is that, the, the comprehensiveness of this. You can see from those three divisions, you can see, actually see the gospel message in there, right? Sins, deliverance, and gratitude. Okay, so we will focus on the first part, misery, the beginning of the first part. Question number three, four, and five. <clears throat> Question number three, four, and five, and it's in your handout. So uh, I need three volunteers to read uh, questions one, one, oh, I'm sorry, questions three and the answer, that's one person, and then another person, two, and the answer, and then... <clears throat> Three, four, five, okay? So, volunteers. <clears throat> Matthew, three, and answer. This, four, and answer. And Mike, five, and answer. Go ahead. Question three. From what source do you know your misery? Answer. From the law of God. Question four. What does the law of God require of us? Answer. Christ teaches us in some Matthew 22. Okay, so if you look at those questions, any observations? It's kind of logical, right? It's kind of logical. One follows the other when you're talking about misery. Okay. So the theme is comfort. What's the next comfort? Uh, what's uh, your next question? Uh, what's in your mind, right? Things that gives us discomfort, right? Misery. Okay. Misery. 
not necessarily equates by uh, sin, but sin is part of that misery. A big part of that misery is sin. So, where does our misery come from? It's going to give you a direct answer. No. Okay. Yes, answer. Okay. There's no fluff. Okay. From the law of God. Okay. It's not from the law of society. From the law of the country. Right. From the law of, uh, I don't know, from the policies and procedures of my work. No. From the law of none other than God. Okay? Although this is addressing believers, it's teaching, uh, catechism are teaching believers, it applies to the whole uh, human race. Understand? No quibble about it. Our misery is revealed, surfaces, comes out from the law of God. Logically, after that, is that how do, how do we know this? If we look at the law, it requires something of us. Now you're kind of trying, now you're kind of forming some, some uh, thought processes that we are not a, uh, we have to uh, satisfy the requirements of the law. Okay? And that has something to do with uh, our present day misery. Okay? That, you see, if. Uh, uh, if you follow that uh, logical uh, reasoning there. So, the law what does the law of God require of us? All the law. Okay? But it sums up. It is summed up in our verse, Matthew 22. You know, thou shalt love the Lord your God. Uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> so, to, most of uh, my material here comes from uh, Orsinus. Or okay? or he is one, uh, he is the main writer. Uh, of the catechism. There was another guy, Caspar uh, Olivianus, okay, but he's the main one. And uh, we did this during the, uh, the introduction. <clears throat> but, so let's read um, the quote there, the first quote that I uh, included in your handout. Who can volunteer to read it? Okay, Crystal. The term misery is more comprehensive in its signification than that of sin, for it embraces the evil both of guilt and punishment. The evil of guilt is all sin. The evil of punishment is all affliction, torment, and destruction of our rational nature, as well as the subsequent sins also by which those are punished that go before. As the numbering of the children of Israel, for instance, by David, was a sin, and at the same time the punishment of a preceding sin that of adultery and murder, with which he was chargeable, so that it included the evil both of guilt and punishment. The misery of man, therefore, is wretched condition, since the fall consisting of these two great evils. First, that human nature is depraved, sinful, and alienated from God. And secondly, that on account of this depravity, mankind are exposed to eternal condemnation and deserve to be rejected by God, rejected of God. Good. 
Okay? So you see the relationship there of misery to sin. Sin, we know, is just the, uh, we, we, we missed the mark, right? We missed the mark. We did something or we didn't do something uh, that we were supposed to do. And then, as misery, it includes the consequences of sin. And that's what makes it mis even more miserable. One is what? Separation from God. The other one is what? The second part of it, eternal condemnation can be rejected by God. Okay? And that is why uh, let me well let me ask you this question, okay? <clears throat> if you look at the, the law, for example, uh, one, one example there is stealing, okay? okay well, what does stealing, what makes it miserable? Okay. You stole something, TV, big 50-inch TV, okay? I can watch everything. What's miserable about that? Getting caught. <laughs> Good one. Consequences, okay? So, what particular consequences? Okay, if we don't get caught by civil, or by the magistrate. Guilt. Guilt. Okay. Guilt. By uh, the second, uh, second use of the law, you know you, are, you have transgressed. It might not be a transgression. As you, as you think through it, if you are not a believer against God, but you know you did something wrong, right? It's miserable. That separates you from something. You're alienated somehow, somewhere. But even worse, if you know of God somehow, you know you have transgressed God. And that separation, that, that uh, alienation, that you know that you are, your relationship from God is compromised or weakened. It just, I think uh, it's a it's, it's natural consequence. You could lie about it. You can hide yourself uh, from that misery, but it will eat you up. Okay? I have no explanation about that, what, uh, what, how the psyche or how the heart processes that. But eventually, it will, you will come face to face with uh, the consequences uh, of that, not just to you, but to your relationships. And one and foremost of that is your relationship with God. Okay, understand? The relationship between sin and misery. But sin is a very, very big part of it. Okay. Um, so... On the first, where, from where do we know your misery? Okay. It, it, it tells us how and why must we know it. Why do we need to know our misery? Our comfort is just to forget our misery, right? To escape it, to hide, to, 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 to do something that we don't face it. Watch TV, eat ice cream, chocolates, right? That is our comfort. Okay. Uh, temporary comfort, okay? There is an essential comfort, right? So, <clears throat> why, do I, why do we have to face it, okay? Why do, do we want to know it? Question number one. Uh, Kyle, did you raise it? Yeah. 
Sure, sure, sure. It, it could be both. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it just made me think of, um, I don't know, one of the Puritans that I talk about, um, you know, uh, how the law and the gospel work, how the law is like a needle, right, and it needs to pierce through, like if you've got a, a severe cut, and the needle has to pierce through the skin, and then it's the thread of the gospel that heals as it's pulled, right? So in order to pierce and it's to, to, to get that comfort, right, there must be a piercing, there must be yeah. a puncture in order for it to be sewn in. in yeah. Yeah, and it just made me think of like the you know like the comfort like you have to there has to be something that happens right and that comes from the wall yeah. where it exposes yeah that that field. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, you touch on the first question and second question also there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all good. Okay. All good. Very good. Okay. See that 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 that's a good answer because now you're thinking, because now you're thinking, a, a leading answer, a leading question, to to the comfort, right? Yeah, but it's good. Uh, connected with what Kyle's answer is that your 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 thought process now is that would lead you to the comfort, right? So. <clears throat> We must know our misery because one and foremost is Christ wants us to know our misery. Is that true? Does Christ want us to know uh, our misery? Yeah. Okay. Even before time. But that's the, that was the purpose of the law, right? And we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. So, knowing our sins and misery helps us. One is to identify our enemies. Our adversary, identify uh, what must be done, okay? Uh, correctly is the proper uh, operative word there. We must identify our enemies correctly. Uh, two is enable us to concern with what we should be concerned about, okay? Most of us, we will concern about uh, Temporary relief, right? Uh, get me away from this quickly. As I said, ice cream, chocolate, whatever, TV, right? So what, we, what should we concern about? So knowing our misery is to, un uh, third one is to understand how our comfort is tied to it. How our comfort is tied to it. Um, Okay, which is, uh, gives us the idea of knowing our misery leads us to something better. Okay, there is something better. So that's the connection there that I was trying to say. Okay, now you're saying, how will we be comforted, comforted in the real sense? Our mind will, uh, will come up with its own, but knowing our misery truthfully and correctly will put, that, put us face to face of what it is really that we should be concerned about that would lead us to the correct comfort. Okay? And our first question leads us to that. How does this, okay, how does belonging to Christ 
gives us comfort okay, in a general sense. Okay. All this, all this catechism questions leads to that. Okay? So, logically, uh, another one tied to that is knowing our sins and our misery logically can uh, tell us how we can seek deliverance of we don't, uh, yeah, from this misery. Uh, by knowing what the extent uh, uh, of, uh, of our work is uh, to be delivered from it, okay? The extent and the magnitude from it, okay? So question number two, what does the law of God requires of us? Christ teaches us in, in some, uh, the, this is the answer, Matthew 22, okay, the great uh, commandment, and uh, the second is likened unto it. Love God with all your mind, with all your strength, I'm sorry, with all your heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Mm -hmm. This is the first great commandment, and the second is like unto it, shall love thy neighbor as thyself. Who can read the second quote there? This is uh, answers of how do we love God okay. with all of our being? How do we love Him? Okay, is it enough that uh, we express it in our words? Right, I love you, God, and we should. Okay, but how do we understand love in terms of uh, our relationship with God? So, let's read the second quote there, who volunteers. This is from Zacharias as well. Mike. To love God with the whole heart is, upon a due acknowledgement of his infinite goodness, reverently to regard and to see him as our highest good, to love him supremely, to rejoice and trust in him alone, and to prefer his glory to all other things, so that there may not be in us the, last, the, the least thought, inclination, or desire for anything that might be rather to be willing to suffer the loss of all things that may be dear to us or to endure the heaviest calamity than that we should be separated from communion with him or offended him in the smallest matter and lastly to direct all this to the end that he alone may be glorified by us he alone might be glorified by us <clears throat> uh yeah, it's very comprehensive. We give all of ourselves to him, okay, more than to anybody else, to anything. See, that last uh, half of it should be, you know, you should be focusing on that. Rather to be willing to suffer the loss of all things that may be dear to us. Think of the most special thing in your possession, within your life. I'm not talking about that 50-inch TV, okay? Although some people might <laughs> put it up there. Children, Ugh. wives, okay? What else? Father and mother, okay. 
all of your possession. Sometimes it's relative, right? It's like you're, you're a billionaire. Rather than suffer the loss of all things may be dear to us or to endure the heaviest calamity than that we should be separated from the communion with God. We'd rather lose everything, the most important thing in our lives, than rather separate ourselves with God. To offend Him. Rather than offend Him, I'd lose everything that I have. And lastly, to direct all this to the end, that He alone may be glorified by us. Okay, that should be a, like uh, a godly covetousness that I will covet, covet God's glory more than anything else, more than myself. Okay, so I'm just exposing the magnitude of what? The magnitude of what is required of us to love God. So this question sets you up there. The magnitude, okay, the strength, the extent of how we should love God that is required of us. What comes to mind right now? Now we can't. We, we, we can't do it. Okay? That is question number two. Can't do it. You fall short of loving God. The way it is required of you, required of each one of us. Furthermore, <clears throat> not just uh, what is the requirement to love God, but also how, how do we love somebody? That question of how do we love somebody? The more we know somebody, okay, that is one of the requirements. For us to know, to love somebody, is to know somebody. Correct? Correct? Any objections there? Okay. Right. Do we know God fully? No. Not in, not in this age. Not in this lifetime. Or not yet, anyway. Okay? I don't know what the heaven is in store for us. But I think we would know more of Him. I'm not sure we, we could know Him completely. You have to ask uh, Pastor Des about that. <laughs> okay. So, by logic, think of logic. We are to know, to, uh, uh, to, know to, to love somebody is to know somebody. And if we don't know somebody completely, what does that tell us about, about our love of him? It falls short as well, right? Because we don't know him fully. So our love is not complete for him, okay? So, <clears throat> so that's another level of why our, our, our love for him is uh, uh, the requirement of loving him is so steep, it's so hard. And as man, we fall short. Okay, we fall short. Um, okay. With all our heart, by heart, uh, it means our affections, our desires, our inclination. Okay. Uh, there is uh, this emotional uh, 
component to it. In short, he wills that we make nothing equal to him or prefer anything uh, above him. Uh, to love God is uh, walking before God with a perfect heart. Okay? There again, that uh, theme of falling short. Um, the opposite of which is not to walk before God with a perfect heart, uh, not to surrender. Uh, as a whole person. Okay? Now, with all your soul, soul signifies uh, this, this inner man, this part of uh, who we are that, uh, that includes, you know, uh, our will, our decisions, uh, our purpose, our purposes, our, uh, our understanding of meaning of life. It, it, it's, it's, it's that... Uh, part of us that's sort of uh, uh, <clears throat> aware of uh, uh, our relationship with, with, with things, uh, with God, okay? That's soul. So all our desires, all, all our decisions, how we understand meaning of life should be directed towards God. So, so that is what we, is required of us. With all your mind, the mind signifies what? Knowledge, understanding, okay? Intellect, uh, our perception, uh, how we understand things, okay? Our analysis of things, uh, how we synthesize them. <clears throat> so, uh, it, what is required of us is to know God, okay? To, to, to uh, bend, it says here, this is Ursinus, uh, Ursinus. Bend all our thoughts, bend all our thoughts that we may know God truly and perfectly. And so shall you love him. So, uh, we can love God only as far as we know him, but we know we don't know him completely. So our love for him, although it may be sincere, right? You may credit our love for him as sincere, as uh, wholehearted, but it, it doesn't know, it doesn't have enough uh, uh, in the sense that it doesn't know God fully. Okay? So we now love Him imperfectly because we know Him only in part, according to uh, Orsinus. Okay, with all your strength, this embraces all actions and exercises at the same time. So this is the animated part, of, the animated part of us, motions, actions, okay. both external and internal, that they may be in accordance to, to the law of God. Okay. So, a big part of this is that connection with God, all right? And then uh, the idea is sin, misery is a, a manifestation. Sin uh, makes us separated from God, and misery is that uh, the consequences and our experience uh, of that separation from God. So, 
relationship with comfort, uh, I like this part because it goes uh, directly. There's a dichotomy that happens here. Comfort, what did we say about comfort? What's the key word that Crystal said? Belong, right? Belong to Jesus Christ. That is our comfort. We are not our own. And misery and sin is what? The opposite. It separates us. Okay? Key, key of that. And the law of God is summed up in Matthew 22. Just gives us that separation, that, that deep, deep, deep chasm that separates us from God. Okay? And uh, our mind should tell us what? We have a problem. We have a big, big problem. Okay? <clears throat> so, uh, why do I have Isaiah 59 2 here? Oh, Isaiah 59 2. Uh, please turn to that. Isaiah 59 2. <clears throat> I'll start with 1, 59.1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot bear. Verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Okay? Small analogy compared to that love. Compared to that separation, okay. Have you had a uh, a breakup, an experience of a breakup? Okay. I mean, sincere love of your life. You thought at that time. How did how did that how did that feel, right? How does that feel? Or let's say we were children at one point. Okay, imagine, imagine. I'm not saying this happened to you. Please bear with me. And I think uh, we have to face it. If, if your father or your mother disowns you, when you're a child, when you're a baby, okay? our, our perception, our understanding of that separation from, uh, from God should be, I don't know, a thousand times, a thousand more miserable than that. Objections? It should be. Okay, I'm getting it out there. Okay. If we uh, just brush that off as trivial, our separation from God, our view of God is very, very small. And our view of ourselves is very, very high. Okay. The second is like it, a great commandment, right? You should love your neighbor as yourself. And this is, uh, this uh, idea of loving our neighbor flows out of the first commandment, of the first great commandment. Okay. It is in view of your love of God. It just flows through it. Okay. If, meaning if you don't love your neighbor, 
Okay, what does that tell you about your love for God? All right. So it stems from that, that the magnitude of how we fall short of loving our neighbor is a reflection or its gauge or a reflection of our love for God. Does that make sense? Okay. Geo example, sorry. Okay, say I don't I don't like Geo. Okay. Some reason. I love him though. Okay. <laughs> I love you too. Yeah, thank you, Mama. <laughs> okay. And then I say bad things about him, right? Okay. Our focus is that okay, Geo is offended and he should be. And we might stop there, the way we assess that falling short. The way we assess how bad we behave. Might have been how it affected Gio. Okay? I love you again, brother. But even how, how, how big is that sin? It's because we failed to love God. You see the point there? It's much bigger. It's much bigger than we think. We should think like that. We should think like that then we would know how big is our misery. Okay? Loving God, you might think it's personal. You know, I love God more than what you observe of me. It might not be visible. Okay? And we can't judge. But uh, our love for our neighbor is somewhat more visible. But we might, uh, we might see that as uh, smaller than our love for God. But let's, let's look at that from a different point of view, okay? based on this. It, our love for God flows into our love of neighbor. That's why they're, they're so close together, the way it was handled in the question and the way it was handled in the scripture, okay? And at the Ten Commandments, right? Comments? Good? Good. <clears throat> Okay, quote or science again, it is called the second commandment because it embodies the substance of the second table of the duties which are performed directly towards our neighbors. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will neither murder nor injure him because the love, because the love with which we cherish towards our neighbor must arise out of the love of God. It is therefore naturally subsequent to it. Okay. Okay, question number uh, five. Can you keep all this perfectly? You should be confident to say, okay, don't waver on this. You should answer this quickly. No. For I am prone by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So, <clears throat> this question uh, teaches us um, that uh, our misery may be known out of the law in two ways. First, by comparing ourselves with the law, okay, how we fall short of, of the Ten Commandments of the law, Decalogue, or the, uh, the Great Commandments. And second, by an application of... Uh, the curse of the law. Curse of the law is that we are depraved, right? 
we can never, never uh, uh, accomplish or fulfill what is required of us. So <clears throat> I think that is uh, uh, who can read that last uh, quote that I have in there? And the law binds all men to eternal condemnation. And um, so, this first three, uh, I'm sorry, questions three and four and five brings us again face to face to our problem, okay? The misery of men. And now, if you. Uh, if you keep uh, your thumb on the first question, you should be uh, uh, logically thinking, okay, now, how does this, uh, how does question number one answer, okay, uh, the misery that we have, okay? So, <clears throat> uh, with that, I would, uh, I would open it to questions and answer, okay? I'm sorry, let me, uh, one more thing, I'm, I'm sorry, this is nice. Um, all this, uh, we say in question three, four, and five, uh, I found uh, a passage that sort of encompasses all this, okay? Can anybody think of it? Okay. The, struggles, the struggles of Paul. Paul, right? He is... At that time, when he wrote this, I, I'm, I'm going to bring us to that. He, he is already in Rome. Okay? Roman 7. Oh, yeah, you give it to that. Okay? But then you see how, how his struggle is. Okay? You could say, yeah, okay, he is already a seasoned missionary, a seasoned follower of Christ. But let's read to end our session here uh, Romans 7. Let me see how big it is. I think we, I want us to read all of it. If somebody can volunteer. Big, booming voice. Nice phrasing. Perfectly. Perfectly. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, You know what? Let's do the whole thing, okay? I think if you want to park, if you want to see questions three, four, five, read seven, okay? Volunteer? No? Okay, Crystal. All right, Romans 7. For do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, 
you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we are living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through that commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become simple beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I serve myself the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Thank you, Crystal. How's that? Okay. Verse 7, it says, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting. Okay? And look at the misery here. The misery. Verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Okay? That, 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 that logical mind that I've been telling you, misery leads us to what is going to make us comfortable. Okay? That should be the impact of this questions to us. Questions? Concerns? Okay. Focus on the comfort, okay? <laughs> I don't want you to be miserable. I want you to know your misery, but I don't want you to leave here miserable. <laughs> Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for our lessons today. Help us uh, apply this to reality. Sink deep in the heart. That's what those people that heard the sermon of Peter in the book of Acts, Father, that it pierce our hearts, that we may know and we may ask, what should we do? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.